Hello there, this is Tim from the Happy Times Podcast, and you're listening to An Apotheosis of a Bombast. Hello everyone, and welcome to An Apotheosis of a Bombast, episode number 46. Uh, I'm Elton. And joining me today, as always, over in America, is Scott Copperman. How are you? Very good. How are you? I, I'm, I'm good. I'm off my face on medication at the moment, though. <laughs> I've had a, a rotten day. Um, I've had a migraine for half the day. And mm-hmm. at the moment, I'm on migraine leave. These little pink and yellow pills. And I'm on sweet tea. And I'm on all things nice at the moment, just to keep me happy and going. So if I'm not my normal perky self, you know why. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah, no, I, I had my zipper broken, my uh, work trousers as well today. <laughs> I was busting and I went to pull my flyer down and it just snapped on me. Oh, crying out loud. Anything else? No? Okay, fine. <laughs> just get the day over with as quickly as possible and move on to Wednesday. Yes. Yeah, bring on Wednesday. Up early again. <laughs> but no, apart from that, all good. Good, good. Things are good here as well. All things considered, it's you know raining. Most of my neighbors have flooded basements, and the other day our actual street was flooded. You couldn't couldn't get through. Went o- water went over the curb and up onto the sidewalk. So oh, was, sweet! But for for some reason, knock on wood, our our home is uh, sitting just right on the land, and we're nice and dry. So nice. Do you ever have um kids going down your street putting leaves into the drains? So they, they purposely flood? No. Oh, here we do. At the bottom of our road, probably what, 200 metres away, mm-hmm. there's a, a river. And it, it's like a big channel for all the other rivers and all the rainwater that runs off the fields here. And when it floods, it really floods. And people's houses actually get flooded at the bottom of this hill. Jeez. And you have little sods running down, run, down the streets, uh, filling up all the grills with leaves <laughs> to stop all the water going down here. Little kids. Yeah, I'm sure there's someone who's who's like watching for it. Yeah, they're watching for the kids to come out, come right out with their broom. Get over here, go. <laughs> Call your parents. That's me in five years' time. That's true. <laughs> but you know, everything else is, is going pretty good. I you may, Well, I don't know how much of it actually made it to Twitter. I know you and I were talking a little bit about... Uh, uh, I, I was on like a, a friend rant, so it's actually kind of good that we haven't <laughs> haven't recorded. Um, hold on one sec. The itch. <laughs> um, so it's actually pretty good we haven't recorded because I, I probably would have gone on, said some things I probably <laughs> didn't want to say. Yeah. But um, where I'll go with that is just this: I I've been trying to organize. I've actually been kind of forced to organize um, the hockey team for this hockey league. Last year, or two years ago, I was on a team. Last year, I kind of took all the the castaways and we made a team. But this year, the goal was to make a a better team and recruit. And people who are on a team or involved in any project, a lot of times don't know what's involved in in the actual building process. And while I'm maybe the coordinator of this, on the team level, there's someone else who's in charge of the whole league. And when they change rules or they make a deadline and then they change their mind or, you know, make decisions that I have no call over, it's, uh, 
<laughs> not always clear to everybody that that's not my job. That's not my area. All I'm doing is I'm helping you all get to play together. You know, I'm getting your jersey size. I'm making sure your money gets handed in. That's it. The fact that the deadline was last week and then the guy in charge said, eh, I'll give you another week or I'm going to let these guys uh, bring in a 21-year-old or something. Yeah. You know, none of that's me. But I was getting a bit of grief for that. And then at the last minute, I had people kind of waffling and I I don't know if I'm going to do it, but not saying yes or no. So it was just quite frustrating for me. Organising teams like that is a pain in the arse though, isn't it? I I remember doing like a five-a-side uh, team with my friends at, at work and just trying to get them together all at the same place at the same time to play five-a-side is a mission in itself but then getting all the money on, at the end of it it's just, oh, I can't be bothered to do this anymore and it takes all the fun and enjoyment out of it. Yeah, it's it really has gotten to be a chore and on the one hand, I got people who let's say we have 17 spots so I have 17 people who said yes now I could get an 18th just in case someone decides they want to leave but well what do I do if nobody leaves I don't want to screw that person over and then I I got people giving me maybe yes no well I'll stay but if he leaves I'm going to leave too and guys just come on (laughs) it's let's let's call it done one Mm. way or another and and even as, as far as carrying an extra guy, I decided to go that route. And I said, you know, worst comes to worst, I'll, I'll step out. You know, if, if one day we have too many guys, I'll sit. You know, yeah. I'll take that chance if no one else will assist me with that. And I know there's other guys who will say, oh, no, we'll take turns or whatever the case is. But I, just, I was getting so frustrated. And, and everybody jumps on rumors and, oh, it's just driving me nuts. But I, I was online and I didn't want to vent all that. And our friend Eric, uh, maybe Squee on Twitter. Yep. He had put something and he didn't say what was on his mind, but he said, uh, like, you could tell he wanted to say something. And it was kind of like, I can't, I want to talk about this, but I can't because it'll be on the internet forever. And I was going through this whole thing with, with these guys because I would say to, let's say I said to Rob, oh, you know, Walt's driving me crazy. He's, he won't tell me yes or no whether he's going to play, but but I have a plan and this is what I'm going to do. And then an hour later, I get a call from Tony. Uh, what's I hear uh, we're losing a whole bunch of guys. What, what? <laughs> whoa, whoa, where did that guy? Not from me. Who'd you hear that from? Oh, well, you know, Rob said. Thanks a lot, Rob. That helps. So it was that same kind of, of mentality. And I had said, yeah, the Internet is kind of like the lunch table in high school and you just can't trust everybody no matter how much they might be your friends not to go sit in the next class and just be like did you hear what he said and oh my god and because nobody ever gets the whole story either it's all bits and they can't be bothered to get the truth they just go with what they heard which may be right or may not be right yeah it's all little tidbits from everyone else and you make up your own story from that perspective don't you you know just what seems to make sense not whether it's true or not i think everyone's been through it though haven't they everyone any walk of life has been through that sort of situation and everyone knows what it takes to start a little room or start a little, you know, just get it the wrong way around and it's just not worth the hassle. Yeah, and so many people forget that as they're perpetuating the rumors that how much they hate it when it happens to them. You know, or, or just how frustrating it is when when they're on the other side of that. Or I, I used to, when I was younger, I, I 
try to stay away from people like it. Now, there's those guys who and ladies who just love causing trouble. And everybody knows that they have no clue what they're talking about. Mm. But for whatever reason, they're so popular, they're so informed, they're they have the loudest voice. Yeah, they're that the man. They get listened to. But I was thinking about some of the uh internet equivalents of those things and uh, I proceeded to go through and kind of weed through my follower list and all this kind of because I couldn't shut people out in real life. I kind of was poking around online going, you know, this one, uh, I tweeted at this one the other day and they didn't even answer me. <laughs> Gone. And this one, <laughs> you know, I think they used our theory for rethinking lost and didn't even say anything. <laughs> you know, and then I caught myself and, and pulled it back. But there are definitely people though. And, uh, it would be too hard to actually name them all, but there are people who, who have been, I think, really kind. I know to me personally, to our shows, um, even if not to you or I, I've seen them just be good friends to other people. And and uh, I kind of made a resolution to, to try to make a stronger effort to to demonstrate my awareness of that and my loyalty to that. Because I'm a big loyalty kind of guy. Like if I kind of try to, to stand up for and look out for and help out people who who I know and, and I value the friendships of, and I kind of expect the same. Yeah. <laughs> not, not necessarily for me. I don't look for it for me, but if I see someone kind of leaving another mutual friend hanging dry, I'm like, like, how can you ignore their posts in the forum? You're like, you, I know, you know, the answer to that question, go do it. So then I passive aggressively, will kind of be like, Hey, did you see in the forum? Mike asked a question, nudge, nudge. And then I get irritated, like, okay, I reminded you the other day, he's put this post, I know you know the answer, why don't you go tell him? And I could just grow up and be more direct, but I don't. <laughs> Not bitter or twisted at all. I'm glad we didn't go on about that then. I, I know, good. yeah, it's good that, uh, glad good that we didn't, didn't make the, the show. Yeah. I know, but it would have been that much worse. Cool. But now I'm calm, and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get a random huggy kind of tweet like you're my bestest friend that's where that's all coming from cool anyway the clocks went forward over in england thank finally goodness. yeah <laughs> was it two weeks out of sync and it just yeah. th threw our calendars off totally it just one tiny little hour just screwed us up royally plus you know not i don't know nothing plus really just it just really screwed us up. So apologies, you know, for all you good listeners listening at the moment. Thank you very much for sticking with it. It's just a bit of a pain in the ass when there's five hours difference anyway, and then it shifts to four hours, and then it'll go up to six hours later on in the year, I'd imagine. Yeah. I think, it, yeah, I think it does, doesn't it? Yeah, so yeah. apologies there. Um, brighter note, I went down to London with Amanda and saw a gig. One of my friends, who I used to be in a band with, he started a new band, so went and saw his band play their first gig and totally rocked it out, which I enjoyed. Also that night I got a little bit tipsy, didn't get mashed, just a little bit tipsy, and then came home, lost the hour, and then tried to get out for the Grand Prix, which I failed miserably in <laughs> doing, so good weekend all round, I suppose. That's good. So you don't get in there very often. You don't. It's kind of like a once in a while you take a trip into the city. Uh, like that, yeah. Because of the kids now, we it's harder to get down there without actually bringing them with us. You know, we took yeah. them down to my parents and they looked after them, and then we went out down to Camden, which is probably about an hour's train journey, all in all. 
tubes and trains and weirdos and drunks and smelly people and <laughs> why why do people smell a beer at four o'clock in the afternoon? I know it's a Saturday, but I don't, I don't like people smelling the beer at all. But, oh yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> well, it's well, no, yeah, it's... no, it it was all good. That's good. Well, um, you do know today we we dodged a bullet of sorts. Uh, today is well, I guess it's actually the second time, but uh, yet another stage of that great big CERN particle accelerator went on today. Oh yeah, the um, was, Hadron Collider. Yes, there was yes. supposed to be. This was another potential end of the world moment, and we dodged that bullet. Whatever they did, whatever amount of energy they generated, and and whatever they're trying to do, they got away with it. Um, Funny enough, I was know, reading about that earlier on today, and yeah, they accelerated two beams of light, didn't they, to mm-hmm. near enough the speed of light. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. It sounds a bit wrong. But anyway, they, yeah. they did that. Then they crossed the streams, and <laughs> they they got the the effect that they were expecting, and we didn't end up into a black hole. Yeah, there's been like a lot of funny things going on. I guess it, it's a 20 year project in the making, and they had a lot of problems. I guess last year, and there were some articles that were run. I guess October 2009, like around that time, they were talking about someone who worked on the project had kind of jokingly, I assume, said, you know, some of these problems that were happening may have been the result of someone in the future trying to prevent the collider from being built. Yeah. And and then of course, people latched onto that and yeah, there were time traveling birds dropping baguettes into the machine as well, weren't yeah. there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the other idea was that this particle they're trying to find, this uh, Higgs particle, is is something. I can't really describe it well. I'm going to look really foolish, but it's something like they call it abhorrent to nature. So it it should be there. They can't actually detect it yet, can they? The right, they're, they're looking to produce it. Right. And the assumption is that, you know, they joke and say, well, you know, God's jealous. He doesn't want you to find, like, the building blocks of life and all that stuff. But that whatever qualities this property, this particle has, scientifically, you can make the case that um, it will try to prevent its discovery. Yeah. Because it's it's not supposed to exist. So I was struck by that. You said you were reading about it today? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Is it... um? Oh, what's the word? Is it any coincidence they actually collide these two beams of light today and Ricky Martin came out as being gay? Or is it just me? (laughs) I think it might just be you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Well, you know, there there was a a number of lawsuits made here with um, this term... I can't pronounce it. There were a number of, of lawsuits about this particle accelerator... And I thought you might have been reading about that because my understanding is that a ruling was finally made today that if the world ends as a result of this, that the laboratory behind the CERN collider cannot be held responsible. <laughs> oh, no. So. Someone's actually written that on a piece of paper and someone's gone, okay, that's fine, and ticked it off. Well, I think there's been a, a number of lawsuits over the last 10 years, but if I have the dates right and it's tough because people repost things and all but sometime fairly recently yet another lawsuit was dismissed and the ruling in it by a German judge was the world's more likely to end for other reasons and if it does end as a result of the collider uh, you cannot hold them responsible now 
if they do manage to create a very small black hole which turns into a huge giant enormous black hole which sucks the whole world into it will we be gone in a second or will it be stretch over a long period of time i can't remember the relative perspective i think if you're in it would it would it take a long time or you see from a perspective from outside the black hole you'll see someone stretched out into spaghetti and dissolved within seconds if i remember right like time stops there because the gravity is yeah so great like so it's eternal but you're you're dead before you even get close to it i think yeah so we wouldn't even really know anything going on we wouldn't see the sky turn purple or anything like that would we it'd just be bang gone you're not to get too too heavy or anything but i was watching something on uh either the history channel or discovery channel they were going through a couple of of airplane disasters and talking about like how instantly the plane was destroyed and and people died and i mean they say instantly and i know it's a matter of seconds when you watch these things with explosions all but i i i can't imagine that like you in the movies it's tick 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 the thing goes to zero you get a panicked look on the guy's face and then boom like yeah time moves so much slower but i guess i I remember them talking about when the space shuttle disintegrated in the uh when when they had the heat shield flaw yeah and it broke up coming into the atmosphere they said that too it was should have been instant but i can't imagine that i um, i don't think it Anything would be instant. Your brain, I think, your brain would react totally differently to normal everyday occurrences. I think you you become a lot sharper, or your your perception becomes heightened, and time you you gather more information in a quicker amount of time, and you pay more attention to certain details. So the time appears to go slower. I think it is. Yeah, I could see that if you know it's coming. If you're on a plane and you know you're nose diving, if you're standing there and someone's aiming a gun at you, if you're in a room and um, you see the fire coming towards you, that kind of thing, slowly. But if you're if you're in an aircraft and your a missile comes from the ground and hits you from behind, I I, I don't know. I I can picture that being more instant if you don't know it's coming. Yeah, but how instant? I mean, there's obviously a difference between, well, I don't want to (laughs) sell it short, but I mean, if you're at the point of of impact and explosion, that's one thing as opposed to being burned and suffering. But I just was watching these things and they're talking about these accidents and then the debris field, it's no pieces of debris bigger than like a pencil eraser. Right. And and so much of the mass of the plane seems to be gone. And I'm like, wow, yeah. I, yeah, I, I find my I find it very hard to wrap my head around that sort of stuff. We're getting very deep as well. I know. Let, let's pull out of this hole a little bit. <laughs> well, that's. I would think the black hole, before you could feel any effects of time distortion, I think whatever other factors might take care of you, whether it's something falling on you, the immense gravity, temper change, whatever, temper, yeah. temper, temperature change. I think yeah. it's a non-issue. Do you reckon there are time travellers coming back to sabotage the Higgs boson? 
No, sorry, the, the Hadron Collider. You know, I always say when people talk about that stuff that, you know, there, what points are significant enough points in history for someone to come back? I mean, like, no one's going to come and show up today because there's nothing significant happening at the moment that we know of. I mean, maybe there is. Maybe someone's being born, turning into the next John Connor, the Terminator's coming or something. But this the CERN Collider could have been one of those things. So, so I find it... I know we've done this in uh, the Rethinking Lost podcast, but we've done an episode on uh, time travel there, haven't we? Mm-hmm. And I still... I can understand a time paradox, but I can also understand if the paradox happens, then you split off into another timeline. And so the paradox doesn't happen. So let's say, God, we are going deep, but let's say um, someone from this year invents a time travel machine, goes back and stops JFK from getting killed. Then the timeline would split into two. There'll be a timeline where he does get killed and a timeline where he doesn't get killed. Mm -hmm. In the timeline where he doesn't get killed, life just carries on. You don't need that person to go back to stop him from getting killed. That's always going to happen in the other timeline where Mm -hmm. he does go back to stop him from getting killed. Mm -hmm. That keeps the split from happening. Yeah, I don't know if you would be aware. You wouldn't be aware of anything that was changed before. Mm. It would. The only thing that would make you aware is if you were actually um, present when the time traveler left, or if the time traveler came to to this time. Mm. I would think if someone went back and and changed uh, history so that. World War One and World War Two, World War One and World War Two had come out differently. Things would just be different. You just—I don't think you'd know something was changed. But they could be, but in a different timeline, and we're not actually on that timeline. Maybe the CERN collider was flawed, and a time traveler has come back and saved us all from being sucked into a black hole. Right. Good man. Or or, or some big explosion that crippled humanity for thousands of years and. They've gone back to prevent that event. Maybe it was that man on the beach that we last reported on. That's he was right. flung back in time. And then he's ended up on the beach in sunny South London. Uh, sorry, That's sunny right. thou- South in England. Collecting government aid. <laughs> I've gone back in time to get health care health to get health care and government subsidies. <laughs> we don't have that in the future. Oh yeah, didn't you get a um uh, a thing put through in your government about healthcare recently? Yes. Can you I, explain that at all? Because I have got no idea what it is. No, and oh, I okay. can I can give you a rough version, and you know I'm sure someone will will refute some of the things I say, and and I, I make no attempt of claiming to know the whole deal about it. But what I've discerned from the various things I've heard is. We're basically going to. I don't know if you can you hear everybody outside my my office here talking. Yeah, just quickly. It's fine. Don't worry about that. So what I can gather from the bits of what I've heard, and a lot of it is spun one way or another, is we have required American citizens to have health care and made it easier for them to do that. 
by requiring employers to offer things, by creating some health exchanges. Um, the idea is, is to make it more accessible to everyone and take away some of the disqualifying factors, whether it be cost or pre-existing conditions and all that stuff. Right. People talk about it being free. I don't believe it's going to be free in any mm. sense because uh, you either have to buy it or you pay a penalty or you, you can be offered it through work and other sources, but you usually have to pay a percentage toward that. Yeah. Um, it, the, big, the big questions are, from what I can hear, and, and I don't really have a view either way, no matter how it might sound, um, who, who will pay for it? Because it just seems like a thing where we're already in debt considerably as a nation. Um, and everyone can manipulate numbers and say, oh, you'll save this much in the long run, so it'll pay for itself. And we'll cut corners here and there. And you know, we, we can't predict other things that might happen. We may have another September 11th kind of thing. We may have some other issue in the world where we send our military and whatever it is, it's, we run out of money for that reason. But right. that that's one big issue. Uh, another one is th this idea that insurance companies have to um, be more flexible and let more people get the insurance. But I know I go to a lot of places, a lot of doctors who don't take my insurance. <laughs> I don't know how that'll work out. I mean, some doctors just prefer to kind of cater to the to certain plans or to um, like a wealthier clientele who will pay cash or right, okay. use other means. So I, it's better than nothing seems to be the message I hear over and over again. Um, people are concerned about the method by which it, it got approved. It certainly doesn't doesn't give everybody free universal health care. It just seems to make it, um, it kind of expands some of the government funded things and it's supposed to make it easier for everyone else to to get some form of insurance on their own okay cool oh well well we got um time here um yeah but 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 the world cup bombast uh, football thingamajig we've got 25 <laughs> spaces left we've got seven people taking up seven places at the moment so if you're interested in joining just either send us an email to bombastpodcast at gmail.com I think it is off the top of my head mm -hmm. That's or right. tweet either of us and we'll let you know or you can stick it on the Facebook page as well you know we've got a Facebook page you're more than welcome to either put uh, news stories that you want us to cover on there or tweet us with news stories that you want us to cover um, yeah just, just let us know if you want to join in and you know, we'll get this thing rolling. It should be fun. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. It's basically just going to be putting everyone's uh, name in a hat, pulling out a team, pulling out a name, right, you're assigned to that team, and then we'll whittle everyone down as we go along through the, the World Cup. So, yeah. <laughs> and get onto the Bombast uh, podcast um, Facebook page as well. Just join there. I think we've got 41 fans at the moment, which is kind of nice. So thank you very much, whoever's joined there, and spread the word. Yeah. Yeah, I think with this tournament, what's going to happen is as it gets closer, there'll be a flurry of people. So you, you kind of want to get in and hold your spot now. Yeah, yeah. So let us know. Yes, 25 spaces to go. So this CERN Collider was one bit of news that I was just kind of struck with today. Um, another thing that I had seen, and I was surprised because it started out as a, 
a small article that someone had linked to on Twitter. And then I started hearing about it on the news and it was in my local newspaper and all. Um, it's about portion sizes in the Last Supper. Has that been an issue where you have? Did anybody talk about that? No. But they were looking. Great. Yeah, they were looking back at some of the old, old depictions and paintings of the Last Supper. And uh, then looking at some of the more recent ones, you know, going back like 1100, 1500, whatever. They looked over a thousand year period and they found the main course increased by 69%. The average plate size increased by 66%. The number of loaves of bread increased by 23%. This is looking at uh, 52 of the most famous paintings of the Last Supper. Another thing they found changed was the foods in it, where even though the Last Supper is described to only have had bread and wine, yeah, uh, now you're starting to see fish, lamb, pork, and even eel in the paintings. <laughs> Wouldn't that be from the art artist's interpretation of where they're actually living? They just throw that in. I can see that, but I think that would also reflect just the way life is at the time the artist you know, lived. Mm. Uh, plus, even as as the church and all commissions these paintings or artists do it, and you, they want people to relate to it, you, you want it to be a meal that people can relate to. Now, if it if it just had a basket of fruit and a few loaves of bread on the table, my kids would look there and say, like, "Oh, is that like breakfast, or is that like they're just having a snack?" Yeah, that, you know, they would look at it with a, a giant roast chicken and. <laughs> And a big thing of potatoes and some corn, and that's a supper to them. You know, yeah, and that's it's interesting. It, it makes you wonder how many other things can be looked at in that way. Uh, you know, we we talk not we personally, but as a society, they'll talk about how films and video games become more violent, and that's a reflection of the culture. And you know, TV shows, what people could get away with in 1990 versus 2000 versus 1950s. And it all reflects changes in society. And I thought this was a real interesting point to sit and look at you know, the depiction of this this meal. And obviously food change, food portion changes is, is a hot topic here in the U.S. especially. See, there, on this article that you've got, there's, there's two pictures, isn't there? Uh, the top one, it looks like he's actually got a pig. I'm assuming that, that fellow in the middle, who everyone's looking around, is J.C. himself. Yeah, and, and the pig's about the size of a butter knife. Yeah. <laughs> One end to another. <laughs> it's a real tiny pig, and Leslie got a, a... He decorated his own plate with a picture of a pig and saying, right, mm -hmm. I want ham on here. But, yeah, I'm... With this, I'm of the opinion it's all going to change relative to where you're coming from, your background, especially the earlier paintings as well. You know, some of these paintings are from the you know 12th century. Yeah, and so you you would throw in oh hang on what were they eating bread wine oh mozzarella cheese as well let's go for yep. that <laughs> that looked nice on there and oh what about this uh, a ham sandwich brilliant well but even the depiction of of the utensils you know where we talked once before about Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones the Last Crusade. How when they go in and they get the Holy Grail, it ends up being, spoiler alert, ends up being the wooden chalice. 
yeah not the ornate golden ones and all but that the people have in their mind that it's this this cup of a king and i think even here if you were to go back through these same 52 paintings you'd probably see changes in um the clothes changes in the the utensils the the plateware the the majesty of what's on the table and and how even like poverty is depicted yeah in indiana jones do you remember when that bloke drunk from the cup and then disintegrated in front of everyone's eyes yeah don't you think they should have done it like the one in the um first right yeah. yeah the radius of the uh, lost ark where the guy actually melted in front of you have you seen that lately no does it look poor it the uh, it's it looks like a wax doll melting Oh man! It's not. I remember it being much scarier than it is, and it, oh. and looking much more real. Yeah. Funny enough, I I actually saw a Clash of the Titans today. Oh, did you? Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about that in yeah. anticipation of the new movie. Did you yeah. like it? Um. To be honest, I prefer my memories of it. Yep. I don't remember it being that slow. Uh, it's not that it's like a big build-up. It's more of little parts thrown together and I remember them being bigger and better than what they are. Although I remember Medusa exactly how it was. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I remember it fondly and uh, before even they announced the new movie or maybe right when they announced the new movie would be coming out, I tried to get my son to watch it and I had said on Twitter um, he just found it too slow. We, we watched the first 20 minutes or so and I was like, Jay, it's going to get good, it's going to get good. But he just didn't have a frame of reference for like the gods playing with the clay figures, and I think we got to to where uh, Perseus gets all the the fancy stuff from Zeus. Oh, the, the, sword the shield, the sword, the owl. The, yeah. yeah, but I, what is it? Cal- Caliban is that the the horned demon son? Yeah, the the guy that Zeus turned into a horn horned yeah. guy. Yeah, we finally got to see him. And by that point, my son was just like, what else you got? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it would have gotten good. Ah, right. Okay. Go to the other end of the scale. I saw 2012 the other day as well. Mm-hmm. And that's a right royal romp if you wanted one. Yeah. It's, oh, there's so many just-in-time moments. It's ridiculous. There's about at least, I don't care, You, I'm going to spoil it. There's three times where the plane just makes it off the... Off the tarmac. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, crying out loud. The first hour is good. Great fun. Second hour is a very poor version of Titanic. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, though, I thought the special effects in that as I mean, they're bizarre moments that you're seeing. I mean, buildings falling, things that it's tough to, to imagine, but they spent a lot of time putting those bodies falling and Having all those touches of realism, yeah, that my son was actually kind of troubled by that. But when you think of Die Hard Two, you know Die Hard Two's when Bruce Willis is at the airport and uh, the terrorists have shut down the thing. It's snowing and and the planes all have to circle. They're running out of fuel. Yeah, if I can remember right, in that I only remember one of those barely escaping, getting off the runway kind of moments. Uh, yeah, I think there was where. Bruce Willis is uh, outside waving his arms around with flares yeah. and fire. 
and he goes, oh, pulls up just in time, and it flies over his head. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, by comparison, like you said, there's three in this other movie at least, and they're not even the climax of the movie. It's... <laughs> no, it's just it's dotted just around. The and there's so many people in this movie I want to punch in the face. <laughs> they're just so bloody annoying. But, yeah, go out and rent it. Great movie. I like, I, the, I like the way that we got from The Last Supper to Die Hard 2 as well. Exactly. <laughs> well, I was thinking of trying to get uh, either on Netflix or, or online or something the the older movies like Jason and the Argonauts and mm. um, I think it's some there might be Seven Challenges of Hercules. There's movies like that, the same kind of stop motion that the first Clash of the Titans was, but I remember them in the same way, um, but the same oh. kind of fond memories. But I'll give you one. Uh, Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger. Sinbad, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I just think that they might have been a little bit quicker moving, even though they're older. I just think this, the story was probably a little bit better for the kids. Yeah, Sinbad is brilliant. I remember watching I remember that. Cool. That's where the skeleton. He fights like eight skeletons, and they look. Uh, oh, they look like right. Puppets, okay. Almost. Yeah, because I was watching Clash of the Titans, waiting for the skeleton part to turn up, and it never did. And obviously, that's from Sinbad. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Mystery solved. Is it the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, or is it? I forget what it's called. Well, the one I'm thinking of is where there was a tiger, and one of the last scenes is the tiger jumps on Sinbad and he sticks a stick inside it, in his belly, and throws him over the top of his head. I think it's called the Eye of the Tiger, but maybe that's just a song. Anyway, that was I remember watching that at school and then going out into the playground and reenacting it with everyone. But I think that's what you do as a kid. Let's see, Golden Voyage of Sinbad, looking it up real quickly, is from 1974. And it's got the centaur in it. Let's see. Looking for a little mini summary here. One-eyed centaur, a griffin, six-armed Kelly idol, the wooden figurehead of his own ship. I don't know. Maybe there's more than one. I'm sure there's more than one Sinbad movie. Oh, oh yeah. there was Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. That follows the uh, Golden Voyage of Sinbad. And then there's the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, which came before that. Right, okay. Oh, so I got the title right. Cool. Yeah. In your face memory. Yeah. And Tom Baker, who uh, played Cora, K O U R A, went on to play. Doctor Who for seven years. Yeah. And he he was also the voice of the speaking clock over here for a little while. Oh, pretty cool. <laughs> it was. You just ring up the phone, uh, ring up the clock just to hear the guy's voice. And especially he did the uh, the voice for the text messaging. If you send a text message from a mobile to a landline over here, it, it speaks it out. I don't know if it does it anywhere else in the world. I'm sure it does. But hmm. he used to do the voice for that as well. And it was brilliant. You could send your, your voices saying, Hi, this is Tom Baker. And happy birthday, Elton. And he'd say it. <laughs> <laughs> not that I ever did that, though. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> well, those were little bits of news that I had. Uh, we, uh, we went off on some tangents here. But <laughs> those were my bits to share. Did you have any articles? Uh, yeah, I've got two articles very quickly. Um, hang on, let me send you the the link so you know exactly what we're looking at right this first story my first story it's docs remove 
boys 11 extra toes and fingers. A six-year-old Chinese boy has undergone surgery to remove an extra five fingers and six toes. Li Jingpeng, or Lai Jingpeng, was born with 15 fingers and 16 toes. Seven fingers on left hand, eight on his right hand, eight toes on each foot. The doctors took five hours in the operating theatre to remove each, each of the extra digit. I'm guessing they didn't use a cigar cutter. No. Uh. That, that'd be cruel. But cool. I wonder how you decide which one. Like, do they say wiggle, okay, wiggle a toe, and then the ones he had the most control over were the ones they kept? I, oh, I don't know. It's like his, his feet look like two feet welded together. And he's got on each hand... Let's say you, you get your little pinky finger, stick it out, and then you put your three middle fingers together. He's got them, but webbed. And then he's got another two fingers and a thumb. Yeah. And I don't know, would you... You could unweb the fingers, I couldn't, couldn't you? Probably. But yeah, there's just so many of them. It's huge. That's mental. I wonder if it's like a, a twin situation just gone wrong. It runs twins run in their family, and for whatever Ooh. reason, it. Oh, have you ever heard of fetus in fetu? No. That's when twins combine, and then you have the twin grow inside the other twin. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's trying to get out through his feet and hands. <sighs> but yeah, I've seen programs like that, and they either pull out a dead body or they pull out uh-huh. half a skeleton out of someone's belly it's uh-huh. gross yeah cool he can count really he doesn't need an abacus now he just counts on his fingers and toes you wonder what happened thousands of years ago when people were born with issues like this that's yeah. probably like the root of mythology <laughs> you know all these gods and demons and oh I just can't imagine. Well, years ago, there must have been so many people that died from such simple things that we can cure in a blink of an eye now. Mm-hmm. See, even like, babies born with the um, umbilical cord around their neck, I'd imagine, I don't know, I'm probably going too far back, but Victorian times or a little bit before that, and that probably caused them a huge amount of problems. But now yeah, it's just, you... okay, there you go, snip, voila. You would just think even people born with various birth defects or like a, a freaky looking birthmark or like born a hermaphrodite or anything like that. Just the people who say that these, um, how can I put it? People who say that, that these, some of these myths are so true and so real. Like, I wonder what their explanations are for how those societies dealt with stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for him and his family. Uh, yeah, he looks like I, such a happy little boy in the picture. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah, I feel sorry for the lad. Well, it says that the condition may have been caused by genetic mutation of problems during pregnancy. And then they were told that they should wait even longer to have the surgery, but he was being bullied at school. How do you send a kid like that to school? And what idiot bullies a kid like that? I mean, you got to be a pretty cold, heartless person to face-to-face sit there and be knocking his books off and... Stepping on his, I'm gonna step on your toe, and like stupid little things like that. Well, it. I know they're kids, but yeah, they it is kids, and some kids are fascinated, and when it becomes the norm, then the bullying starts. Yeah. 
you know, it's, oh, it's, it's the kid with, you know, 20 fingers. Let's go bully him. Well, they don't even mean it. It's just, it's just a thing you do. Yeah. It's not actually meant like that. They just, yeah, I, I stand by that. It, it becomes the absolute norm. He's the kid now in the class. It's, it's not like the kid that you sometimes see on the bus down the road. Every now and again, yeah. oh, did you see him? Wow, saw him. Wow, let's have a look. Yeah. It's not like that at all. It becomes, you see him five days a week and, you know, however many weeks in a year that the kids have. And it's just the norm. It's, you know, it's Greg down the road. It's Simon. Do you think it's that they felt threatened in whatever special treatment he got? Like, how come he doesn't have to do his homework? How come he doesn't have to be here and do this? Because he probably can't do certain things. I, I think it depends on the kid and the situation, though. Yeah. With that. Hmm. Going deep again? Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> right, my funniest story of the week so far. The, I think I found this a week or so ago. Have you got the video on your um yes. your, your end? Okay, this lady... Let, let me introduce it better. Um, a terrified vet screamed, I'm going to die! as a lorry shunted her car sideways along the motorway at 60 miles an hour. Uh, Rona Williams was in a Renault Clio. It became trapped underneath a tanker's bumper on the A1 near Weatherby, Weatherby, West Yorkshire. Now, there's a YouTube video which has hit half a million hits so far of this tanker speeding down the motorway at 60 miles an hour with this car basically team-boned. And it's running along, and there's sparks flying out of it. <laughs> I, I'm laughing at the people driving the car, taking the video. Yeah. Just talking. Nobody. I hear no horn. I see no waving or anything, trying to get their attention. Swerve in front or anything. No. But it. this truck is belting along. If you check seven seconds into this video, you can see that... It runs parallel with the car that's actually taken the the video of this, mm-hmm. and and for a brief second you can see the lady's brake lights come on. <laughs> yeah, and then they disappear once she realizes that's not going to stop this big truck. <laughs> how did she get oh, stuck? It doesn't really say how she got stuck. No, uh, I've had a friend T-bone like this, not down a motorway, but he was dragged for a little while until passers-by waves. But the, from the point of view of the truck driver, he can't actually see. It's a very flat-faced truck. So his position would be, he'd have his big steering wheel driving along. He'd be looking over the car, so he wouldn't see it at all. Surely he should have some drag from the car that he's pushing along. But maybe not that much. He not bombing it. It says it took about a minute for him to notice, so... This may have just been a coincidence that they caught it on film right at that point. Yeah. Sounded like she was dragged for an hour. Yeah. There's wow. sparks flying everywhere. I honestly can't believe the speed of this thing. Yeah. She must have got clipped at an angle and then the car got pinned at that T formation. But how does he not notice? I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't think he can actually see it. He's probably thinking, I don't know, maybe he he can feel the, the the truck pulling. Maybe he thinks he's gone into a pothole. One of the 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 weights that keep the wheels tracked 
uh, centrally has fallen yeah. off, and it just feels a little bit heavy. Yeah. But yeah, it's absolute madness. Love it though. <laughs> but it also relates to um, a story that I was sent. I'm not going to play this. I'll I'll put the link in the the show notes. There's a guy in a wheelchair, a battery powered electric wheelchair, and he's got his chair actually caught in a, an eighteen wheeler, and that that was pushed down the road as well. And this was from a, a revolting Ross on Twitter from Creeping with Armstrong. Okay. So I'll I'll put the the YouTube clip in there. It's not an actual uh, video footage, which I'm quite disappointed of him actually flying down the road with <laughs> on on the front of this uh, truck. But it's just uh, radio reports and news reports. Right. So this guy was lucky. But there's lots of comments saying, how the hell, this could not happen to this guy. You know, He must have done this. He must have set this up for publicity. It's bizarre. I'm trying to look at some of these related links here. Wow. Yeah, on YouTube, you can, there's other links that show. You can see how it kind of hooked on the front of the semi. Or semi. Semi. I can't speak today. No, you was right the first time around. It's semi. A lot of unlucky people today. But they didn't get killed by the Higgs boson, so that's fine. No, they did not. They lived to, lived to see another day. Time travelers came, fixed the wheelchair, got the lady's cell phone working. Everything worked out well. Cool. Anything to uh, finish off with? Sure. Uh, you know, Easter is coming, and uh, my brother is a huge, huge, huge fan of peeps. Do you know what peeps are? No. They're these little marshmallow puffs basically like a drop of marshmallow that's dipped in uh sugar has two little eyes painted on it and it looks like a little marshmallow chick okay i'll send you a quick link here with a, a picture of just an ordinary peep you just Oops, typed I wrote peep, peep. <laughs> <laughs> and i did it again let's see come on peep anyway they're these little candies and my mother and, and brother love them i'm not a huge fan of them they're they're all right, you know. You get get a little something out of it, I guess. But some people, some people like like them a ton. You'll eat them uh, stale usually because it just has a different consistency. And what I just sent you is the original peep. Then they start doing different colors, and nowadays they make different shapes. So they make like little rabbits and Christmas trees and things like that. It's just marshmallow with colored sugar over it. Okay. Uh, and it's about the size of. Um, Maybe like half the size of your fist, a little even smaller. So uh, this time of year, this is the original peep season, Easter. You know, like I so said, they do other things for other holidays, but this is the original, the peep chicks. So there's all different contests of, of peep exhibitions. So I've sent a couple of links. We'll put them in the show notes for Peep Show 2007, 8, 9, and this year 2010. And people make dioramas out of the the various peeps. <laughs> Right. They, re- they recreate famous scenes, uh, bits from movies and plays, and some of the best oh. are up there. Some of them are clever, some of them are kind of weird and disturbing. We also have a couple of other things we'll put out here. One of them is 100 Ways to Kill a Peep. Someone made a blog back in 2009 and basically went through and filmed 100 different deaths of peeps. <laughs> Running it over with a car, burying it alive. Sticking it with push pins, all different kinds of things. Some of them were kind of clever, some were kind of weird. So they're just marshmallow, they're not full of the gooey red stuff that I can see. No, they're just marshmallow. 
so we have a bunch of links of peep show one two three and four from 2007 through this year and they're i think hosted in washington dc so the washington online has a little photo collage um and a diorama people made of of these peeps <laughs> reenacting famous scenes from literature and movies and famous photos and some of them are weird a lot of them are pretty clever there's a, a blog that we'll have in the show notes called 100 ways to kill a peep where a guy goes through and basically documents the destruction of peeps by pushpin, by cheese grater, by microwave, you know, a hundred different ways. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. And then we have another link in there as well from the Chicago Tribune. It's it's basically 11 steps for creating a peep. You know, the shows like that, how it's made, I think is on the Science Channel here. And Good Eats or um, I forget what it's called, but one of the shows on the Food Network kind of goes through and explains how things are made. And it's just kind of neat. But this is peep season. It's the time of year where, um, even though they've become kind of a big pop culture thing here in the U.S., and you can find them year-round now, you can get like a beanbag in the shape of a peep, um, little rubber ducks in the shape of a peep. I actually just mailed my brother a T-shirt, um, a peeps T-shirt. And I think I'll have to look and see, but I, I think he actually was a peep for Halloween once. He's really? kind of a, an odd, odd guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to look. He has a website called uh, Copperman Land, www.coppermanland.com. It's got a lot of odd little things on there, but um, somewhere in that photo gallery, there may be the infamous peep costume. I'll have to look. <laughs> so that's that's our holiday website to check out. And speaking of old pictures. Uh, episode 34, I believe it was, was entitled Sterling Hedgepath is a Wonderful Name. Yes. And in the beauty of reverse searching, <laughs> which is something I think I mentioned before I've been trying to do with certain people, uh, Mr. Hedgepath found us. Yay! And did reach out to us and, and acknowledged uh, the website. And um, he put a comment on, on the website and he did actually send me an email to which I do still owe a more detailed reply. But uh, Sterling is doing very well living in San Francisco. Uh, I believe he works for Lucasfilms. I think he's an archivist for Lucasfilms, which I am sure is is every bit as cool as that sounds. <laughs> and the things he has access to. And oh. But speaking of, of photos, I, I made a reference to a photo of me, him, and Tommy Sue. uh sitting at this math competition and that I was eating a cupcake and I've seen the picture recently and I had it all set ready to scan and upload and I I've misplaced it at the moment but my goal is to find it by the time this episode is posted oh, you so can... definitely check the show notes yeah. that's convenient it's, isn't it you know, like, Con- them. conveniently lost the photo I, I will find it it's, some, it's there somewhere I did find several <laughs> other pictures which I kind of wish I hadn't <laughs> It's kind of cool. You know, your parents keep all these things. I found uh, a letter with the Tooth Fairy once. Um, you know, all the, like, the second grade report cards. And we moved a lot. And so my parents always get a letter from the teachers, from my new teacher. Kind of, you know, describing this is what we did in school. And this is the textbook we used. And Scott's a very nice boy. So it was kind of cool digging through that. But there's there's also a lot of little like, wow, what was I doing wearing that shirt? And... <laughs> Those, those are some great glasses I had. 
but it's pretty cool. So if you are listening, Sterling, I did get your email and I will be responding. If there are any other long lost uh, friends of Elton and I, definitely reach out. Don't be shy. <laughs> Send us an email at bombastpodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know you're out there. Yeah, definitely. Right. So we think it's a good spot to end today's show? Yeah, no, that's fine. I think this migraine is going to get the better of me very soon. All right, well, then we can make that today's moral. Something related to a migraine. Migraines suck. <laughs> there you go. doesn't get any more <laughs> direct than that. So we'll keep it quick and simple, and we'll see you guys next week or sometime shortly thereafter. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us anyway, guys, and I'll see you later. Yep, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.